Genesis 42. And I've been waiting, I've been dying to read this to you guys, because this I've never read Genesis so much. And just this chapter alone, uh, it's just amazing, because God starts to reveal this amazing plan that he had from way back, you know, you know, from the beginning. I mean, God is amazing to see all this stuff happening that he has laid down, all the intricate details, and it's amazing. Um, in chapter 36, Pastor Tony was here. He told us about uh, uh, that um, he went through the ge- genealogy of Esau, right? He, he told us that people are important to God. Every person is important. Uh, in 39, Don, he reminded us that God has a future for us. He has a work for us, a plan, and that Joseph was pleasing God. He wasn't pleasing man, he was pleasing God. In chapter 40, Johnny Duran, he spoke about God's plan, that it may not be immediate, right? A plan that will be accomplished at a later date. 41, Andy reminded us to stay the course. Don't compromise, right? Uh, now, God has good things for us. We see God's hand in everything that Joseph touches. Everything he does, he prospers. Yet we know it's the Lord's doing. Joseph didn't have some secret power or anything. God was doing it. We see Right here in 42, the pinnacle of the plan of God. Not just for Joseph, for his people, right? For Israel, for his children. We're talking about the big plan, the big picture. That's why I have this up here, the big picture. And what is that up there? This is a depiction of Revelation chapter 21. Why don't we turn there? We have to go all the way to the end. To see the big picture. Because this picture is big. It's huge. Right? This whole thing that's going on. Genesis chapter 21. Revelations chapter 21. Thank you. (laughs) Verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. All right? He saw it. This is what we're seeing right here. Let's see that next picture. Which one is that? The yellow and the one with the pearls on it? Yes. Yes. Let's skip down to uh, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Verse 11, no, verse 12. Also, she had a great and high wall, right? The new city, with 12 gates. Mm, Here we go, 12 gates. 12 angels at the gates. And the names written on them, which names were they? Uh, right, here we go. Of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. 
Israel, this man Jacob, the children of Israel. These people we've been talking about since uh, Genesis chapter 34, right after Jacob has all these children. (laughs) And I, I read that and I was going back, wait a minute, there's more about these 12 children of Israel. And I'm going, what? <laughs> and it just blew me away. This is the very presence of God right here, heaven. Remember when Moses wanted to see God's glory and he had to shield himself because he would be consumed just to see his tail of his glory as he passed by. This is the holy city, the dwelling place of God. And the names of these 12 children are on the gates. How does that happen? You know, here are these guys, the, uh, these wise guys, these troublemakers, these violent killers. Remember, these are the guys, they wiped out a whole town. Remember, because of what the, the king's son raped his sister Dinah. They went in there, they tricked them, lied to them, killed everyone. These are the same 12 guys. These are the guys who sold their very brother into slavery as a slave, because they, they hated him. And their names are on this gate, in heaven for eternity, right there in the presence of God. That blows me away. There's hope for us. <laughs> right? There's hope for us. All of us. No matter what we've done, there's hope for us. And I think, how do these men get from men who deserve hell to men who, whose names are written in heaven on the very walls? Isn't that that you? Isn't Isn't that us, all of us? God has brought us out of a path of destruction and into light. 1 John 1 through 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what's that last picture? There's one more, I think. There's John. He's with the book. He has his vision. He's writing everything down. This is the big picture here. The big picture is the end. The very end. Now we think the end is maybe we lost our job or you know, maybe you had a car accident or maybe you, know, you have uh, problems in your relationships. That's not the end. The end is there. That's the end. And I remember even telling my children, they're like, why are you, you know, spanking us or whatever? But it's like, you know what? I want you guys to learn to obey. I want you to learn to be good. Because one of these days, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be in heaven. I just want to see you there. That's all I told them. I just want to see you come through that gate. Because you're not going to see me anymore. I'll be gone. You won't see me again. And unless you're born again, unless you're walking with the Lord, then you'll see me up there. I'll be on the other side waiting for you. So that's the big picture here. We're in chapter 42 of Genesis. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Lord, that uh, you have brought us to this place, Lord, to reveal to us, Lord, the examples that you give in the lives of these men. 
to show us, Lord, how to live. To show us, Lord, how real you are. Lord, that we could turn our lives to you. We thank you, Lord, for uh, all these men here tonight. We pray, Lord, you speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 42. Uh, There's hope for us. Here we see God's character, his forgiveness, his renewal, his promise to make us new. Every time we get together in this room, in this building, in this church, God is looking for a change in, our, in all our lives. So tonight, um, in this story, we're, there's a little bit of confession going on here. Change and transformation, it all begins with confession. And there's not one here tonight, um, not one of us who have had the opportunity for confession. And even tonight, we have that. Verse 1, when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So the first uh, in verse 1, you know, why, why, are you, why are you sitting around looking at each other? You know, and he heard that there was grain. Now, you guys know that I serve in the music ministry and, excuse me, I serve with, sometimes I mix the groups with young people. One thing I learned about the younger uh, generation, they, they know what's going on. They know their culture. They know and hear things and they know about bands I don't even, I haven't even heard about, right? And musicians and they just, they know about the culture of what's happening around. And so here, here's uh, Jacob talking to the younger generation. Like he's saying, I heard there was food over there, grain. These, they knew. You can't say they didn't knew. They, they didn't know that there was grain over there. He says, indeed, I heard. Uh, you know what? I, I've heard now. What, why are we sitting around? Why are you guys sitting around staring at each other, just you know, watching the, the sand turn in the wind? There were things to do. Um. They most likely knew that there was food in Egypt. And what are they waiting for? If they did nothing, they will die. There was no more food. Now, why are they waiting around to die? Why would these grown men be waiting around to die? It's, it's strange to me. But we'll see later on in the chapter, we see, uh, we see what guilt does to a person. You begin to uh, punish yourself for the pain that you possibly caused to others. In chapter 37, they hated their brother Joseph. They hated him. It starts in the heart. They hated him in their heart. And maybe they remembered that look in Joseph's eye when he begged and he pleaded for his brothers to not do this, right? not sell him. And you see that later on in verse 21. Was that look burned in their memories? They had 20 years to relive that memory, that moment, over and over again. Maybe they had dreams of their own, like Joseph had dreams. Maybe they had their own dreams of, of his voice screaming. Guilt 
guilt would do that to you. 20 years. 30, in chapter 37, verse 2, Joseph is 17 years old when he gets sold. In Genesis 41, 46, it tells us he's 30 years old. And uh, when he's standing before uh, the Pharaoh. And then uh, there's seven years of, of plenty before the famine starts, so he's 37. And then later on in uh, chapter 45, it says that uh, there were two years of famine before his brothers actually showed up, so he's 39. And it's 21 years of his brothers allowed their big secret to fester and to boil in their, in their hearts. They had nothing but hatred. And after what they did, the guilt took over their lives. A quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death to your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have given away will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will be raised from the dead. Look for your... Look to yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look to Christ, you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. That's in his book, uh, Mere Christianity. Confession. It keeps all that... If we don't, uh, if we don't confess, we keep all that stuff inside. And it'll fester. We need to give it to the Lord. Give it to Jesus. Don't let it turn into something else like hatred and loneliness, despair, rage and ruin and decay. God has a better life for us. Verse 3. So Joseph's brothers, ten brothers, right? There's twelve, but here there's only ten. Ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers. For he said, lest some calamity befall him. Because he remembered what happened to Joseph. He's not going to send him away. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. People all over Canaan were going uh, to Egypt as well. But you see, the two brothers, which were the sons of Rachel, who Jacob loved, this is the the wife he married, to, he worked for under Laban. You remember that? And then he got tricked. And he had to, and then he had kids from Leah. And so there's just all these kids. And, and so this, uh, this wife that he loved, he bore two children. Joseph was the first one. He loved Joseph. And we saw a little bit of that hatred build up in his brothers because of Jacob's favoritism to Joseph. Well, now that favoritism, you can see, is now transferred over to Benjamin. Okay, because now, now Jacob, uh, Jacob sees that Joseph's gone. So now I'm going to transfer all that. This is Rachel's last, you know, my, the last uh, remaining sibling of my love, Rachel. He's going to transfer all that favoritism. And I, I bet you anything, these guys, were, oh, they, they hated him too, probably. And the Bible doesn't say that, so I can't say that. But, you know, here's... Here's the, the, the brothers getting rid of Joseph because he was a favorite. 
And then as soon as they get rid of him, there's another favorite. See, it just doesn't, just doesn't pan out. It doesn't work. When you turn to sin to solve your problems, it doesn't work. Now, Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him. Sounds familiar? Bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. We see Joseph here. Now he's governor of all the land. And it happened just like he said. Seven years of plentiful. And now the seven years of famine have begun. They're two years into it now. But you see Joseph still faithful to the Lord. Still prospering in the, in the hand of the Lord. Even in Egypt, where they're worshiping idols, and in the middle of the world. He's not, he's not of the world. He's in it, but he's not of it. He's still faithful to the Lord, as we should be as well. Faithful to the Lord. Everyone from every place in the land had to get permission through Joseph. And there were people coming from everywhere. The whole world was coming to see Joseph. So his brothers go before him, and we see the dream from chapter 37, come true. They're bowing before him. God is revealing his plan. And you would think that after 20 years, 21 years, you you would forget a dream that you had. I had a dream yesterday, and I can't remember what it was, but I knew I woke up a little disturbed by it or something. And then after an hour, I can't remember what that dream was. This is 20 years later. Joseph, verse 7, saw his brothers and recognized them. But he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. And he said to them, where do you come from? They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food, right? So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. And all those 20 years, he remembered his dream, we'll see in verse 9. But one little thing here, you know, I'd be worried that um, if I were his brothers, that I would see Joseph when I walk into Egypt. You know, I'd be afraid I'd see him or something, getting whipped by his master or something like that. Or, or maybe he would see us and he'd come and start begging, begging, for, you know, for something from me. And, oh, I, I'd be afraid to go into Egypt, but they had to go. And so they bow before him. They didn't see that that he was the governor. <laughs> he was the governor. He was in charge of the whole place. They didn't recognize him. You know, it's 20 years later. Verse 9, Joseph remembered his dreams, which he had dreamed about them, and said to them, You're spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land. Joseph also knows that all the dreams that he's had. All these dreams he had, they had a purpose. He's seen the hand of God in all of them. And now he remembers the dreams, the dream of a 17-year-old teenager. And he's seeing it come to pass. He's seeing it happen right before him, right? And knowing that God has a purpose, just like his other dreams. Oh, God has a purpose for this. God has a purpose for these, my brothers, his family. And he knows them. He knows how wicked and evil they are. But he says, God has a purpose for them. Verse 10, they, they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We're all 
One man's sons. We're honest men. Your servants are not spies. In their desperation, they, uh, they begin to pour out truth like they've never said truth before. It just starts pouring out, right? Uh, more details than necessary to get through to the governor. Please believe us, right? Please. We're going to tell you every truth we know. Uh, if I were Joseph, I would have remembered all the begging I did to them. A good thing I wasn't Joseph. Yeah, Joseph in verse 14, he says to them, it is I, it is I, it is as I spoke to you, saying, you are spies. God begins to do a long-awaited work in the lives of the children of Israel. So the test begins. And why does there always have to be a test? There always has to be a test. There's always tests in us for our lives too. What does it say? First Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The genuineness of your faith. Those are tests. That's the test we need to, to pass every time. These are the tests we need to take. Because we could come in here and we could worship the Lord and we could say praise the Lord and shake everybody's hand and we can come in with our Bibles up high, you know, to show off and you're, you know, look at the carry the Bible. But God knows your heart. Now, the problem is we don't know each other's heart. We can't read our minds. We don't know who's lying and who's not. But the tests will come. The tests will come. The genuineness of your heart. And that's what's happening here. God is going to test them. And Joseph knows this. Verse 15. In this manner you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you. Or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. <laughs> so what did he do? He put them all together in prison. Three days. Uh, Joseph was in prison a lot longer than that. <clears throat> he had mercy on him. See, good thing I wasn't Joseph. I see. Hmm. Let me count the years I was. Remember the baker and remember that. Oh, he, you're going to go in there for a long time, buddy. And then he was a slave. <clears throat> uh, and then he was in prison before that. It, but it just really shows here Joseph how merciful he was to his brothers after what he did. After what they did, how they left him for dead, they sold him to slavery. Just three days in prison, and he lets him go. Really, that's, that's mercy right there. It wasn't, you know, eye for an eye kind of thing. Okay, well, you gave me 20, I'm going to give you 20. <coughs> Verse uh, 18. And Joseph said to them, the third day, Do this and live. 
for I fear God. Isn't that interesting? You see a little clue right here being uh, given to his brothers here, almost as if he, um, to tell them who he really is. And he's dying to tell them. You see that later on in the next chapter. Next week you see that. He's just dying to tell his brothers who he is. The second he recognized him, I'm sure he just wanted to tell them. But all of a sudden, you know, three days before he's going, by the life of Pharaoh, by the life of Pharaoh, and all of a sudden he says, for I fear God. Now that should give, a, give his brothers a little clue, but they still didn't recognize him. It just was too, it was too crazy. I mean, here's, there's no way this guy could be Joseph. He's the governor of all of Egypt. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 19. If you're honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you... Go and carry grain for the famine of your houses. See, Joseph wants to see if these ruthless, cruel men have changed over the years. Verse 20. And bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Verse 21. Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. See, that they, they remember the pleading, the begging. They probably saw in his eyes, please don't do this to me. They didn't listen. They didn't care. They had hatred covering them. All those years, every day thinking about what they did to their father's favorite boy, they said, now we must pay, brothers. Almost as if they've been waiting for the punishment to begin. They've just sitting there for 20 years waiting to get punished. Their guilt. See, now, here it is. Now, here it is. It's time. So in verse 22, Reuben, he answered them saying, Did I not speak to you saying, Do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. He remembered, because I told you. I told you guys not to do this. I told you. Now we have to pay. It's payback time. Now we have to pay. So verse 23. But they did not know. And Joseph understood them. For he spoke to them through an interpreter. So Joseph still had his, uh, his Hebrew... Mind going, he's an intelligent guy. He could understand everything that he's saying. But just to keep the the disguise going, the ruse, you know, he's, he's going through an interpreter. And so he knew what they were saying. In verse 24, he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked to them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. See, he couldn't take it. Couldn't take it anymore. He had to, he had to just turn away and just uh, start crying. He just he couldn't take it. He loved his brother still, even after all that they did. But that's the Lord. That's God, and that's the heart that uh, Joseph had. So he bound up Simeon. Now, why Simeon? Well, maybe he was a bully. You know, we see later in chapter forty-nine, Jacob says Simeon and Levi. He calls them instruments of cruelty. 
when he's doing his blessing before Jacob dies, he says, Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. These guys were hotheads. These guys were violent. <laughs> maybe, it was, uh, maybe it was time for Simeon to know what it feels like to be pushed around without mercy. Right? Remember, the, again, the Dinah incident. It was Simeon and Levi who led the charge to kill everyone in the whole city in chapter 34 of Genesis. The guy was brutal. And the Lord saw, saw it fit to put him back in prison till his brothers returned. <laughs> you know, give him a little taste of it, I guess. Verse 25. And Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. I would imagine the servants that uh, were before Joseph were thinking something strange was up. I'm sure Joseph didn't give uh, everyone provisions for their trip back home. And this is written here because it's worth mentioning. They, they got special treatment and Joseph couldn't help himself. We see the love and compassion that Joseph has for his brothers still. Uh, definitely an example, if, uh, if not a type, if you will, of, uh, of the character of God. God's desire is not to punish, but for us to turn and confess, repent from our selfishness. God wants to see us walk into that place. Like I said, I'm going to be gone. You want to see me again after I die? I'll be back there behind the walls, behind the gates of heaven. I want to see you walk in there. And God wants to see us walk into that place. He wants to see us there. God's just trying to get us there, people. He's just trying to get us there. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved, right? He just wants to get you guys saved. He wants to get us saved. He doesn't want. He didn't send his son just to make sure that you guys, that everyone knew that they were sinners and you all are going to die and go to hell. No, he wants to see them turn, that they will be saved. All right, Genesis. Back to Genesis, verse twenty-six. So they loaded their donkeys with grain and they departed from there, and they ran out of there fast. I'm sure. Verse 27, but as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money. And there it was, in the mouth of his sack. Verse 28, so he said to his brothers, my money has been restored. And there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them. And they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us? You know, God is after us. You know, there, there are years of guilt and fear. Now it's just all fear. Now God is after us. You know, it's almost like, uh, remember Jonah, and, you know, he's going to run. He's going to run and run. It's just going to run and, you know, there's just, God is going to punish us. We got, we, got a, we got it bad now, you know. What, what is this God is doing? And once again, although uh, there were clues given to them that something of a miracle is at work, in their lives here, their guilt, their circumstance has only given them fear to deal with. Yeah. God wants to punish us. 
They only see the rod of discipline. They only see the belt, right? The switch, the chancla, if you will. <laughs> you know, that's all they see, the punishment coming. They've forgotten the promises of God. They forgot how good God is. They knew of the vision of their father Jacob's ladder. Remember that vision he had? They knew the stories of Isaac, stories of Abraham, of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah, of, of Noah. They knew all those stories. Their circumstance and their sin blocked out of their minds the true character of God. They, they couldn't even think about it. Their circumstance was just so, they were just so covered in it. Psalm 51, 16 and 17 tells us, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. God doesn't want us to be, you know, uh, giving all this money and offering and stuff because you were more evil than so-and-so or whatever. He says he just wants your heart and a broken heart, a contrite heart, a heart that is moldable and a heart where the Spirit of God can come in. Jesus says, I will come in and I will sup with you. You know? But all they see is punishment and fear and danger and the, the belt, the chancla. You know? <laughs> Verse uh, 29, Then they went to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan. They told him all that had happened to them. So they begin to recant the story here. Verse 30, The man who is, the, is lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. But we said to him, we're honest men, we're not spies. We're twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. And I could hear Jacob right now saying, why did you say all of that? (laughs) Why did you have to include my favorite Benjamin? What's wrong with you guys? But right, they started just spewing all this this truth. Okay, they were so scared. Verse 33, the man, the Lord of the country said to us, by this I know, I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in his sack. So they, they found the rest when they got over there. Everybody else opened their sacks of grain and their money was in there too. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, oh, they were afraid. They were all afraid. Now Jacob is afraid. Here he is thinking, okay, my boys went, they got food. Great, now we have grain, we're going to live. Now I can have a... A meal, he can have some bread, he can be joyful, right? But now more fear, more and more fear. Oh no, what have you guys done? Here are these guys again, my sons. What are you doing? Now, for just a little added twist, the Lord knows how to get a point across. You know, in case they didn't get it, they all had 
their money in their, in their sacks of grain. So God knows what he's doing. And he knows what he needs to do to get the point across to you. And if you're going to need a little, little extra push, you're, you're going to get it. <laughs> Verse 36. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. Right? Because he's in prison back there. And you want to take Benjamin. All these things are against me. See, right away, I think he already suspected his sons for what they did. That they did something to Joseph. Because you bereave me. And then he adds Joseph. And now Simeon you took. And now you're going to take Benjamin? Mm-mm. Jacob also has allowed his circumstance to shake him up into fear. That his sons would steal from Pharaoh of Egypt? That'd be death for sure. He's thinking, you stole the money too? What's wrong with you guys? Now we see how Jacob begins to possibly suspect his sons. And Jacob starts to accuse them. That he took Joseph. Jacob says, all these things are against me. Jacob allows fear to take over his heart because of his circumstance. He fears and begins to despair. Right? They're going to find out that you guys stole. They're going to come and they're going to kill us. Hmm. Fear usually leads to despair. And when you despair, uh, it tends... uh, Well, it tends to do that. You'll end up standing behind your front door with a shotgun in your hand, ready to shoot anything that comes close. You get paranoid. You think every the whole world's against you. You're gonna you. You can't trust no one. You just you're just you're so scared. You're full of fear. You get paranoid. No one can get close to you. He says all things are against me. Oh, really? For Jacob, was all things really against him? In Jacob's uh, shoes, it appears like it is, right? By reading the story, it may seem even that it appears. Um, but, um, but we're men of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's something happening here that if Jacob were to see what was happening here, it would blow his mind. He'd be dancing for joy. He, he would be all flipped out. But to know that all of this happened for this moment, that all this was going on, he doesn't see the big picture. He can't see the big picture. He's covered with all his fear and, and sin. And, just, there's, there's, and what's the big picture? Heaven. Those names are going to be on that wall. God wants them there. He's, I'm preparing these boys. They got to change. They got to transform. They got to repent. How's that going to happen? Well, this is how he's doing it. And if he were to show Jacob all of this, he'd flip out in joy and, you know, it would be crazy. But he didn't see that. But where's his faith? I remember another scripture because he's saying, all these things, all things are because of me or what's happening to me and, you remember that other verse in Romans? It says, all things, all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. 
Now, Jacob knew these things about God. He remembered the stories too. His father was Isaac. His grandfather was Abraham. Wow. Man of faith. He forgot who God was. <coughs> the goodness of God. That he works all things together for good for those who love him. There's good things happening. Even though it looks really bad here for him and his sons, there are good things happening here. And we have to remember that because when we have some really hard times that come upon us, and they do come upon us, whether it's finances, uh, sickness, uh, relationships with others, um, there's good things. If you're hanging on to God, and you love the Lord, you're serving Him, you're growing in God, these bad things that happen to you, they're, they're going to happen. But they're good things that God is working out in the big picture. There are good things happening here. And if Jacob only knew the whole story. Even at the end of all things, and we take our last breath, And we think there's no hope at the end. Our last breath is, I'm going to die. You know what? There's good things coming. You hang on to the Lord and you take your last breath. There's good things coming. You're going to wake up on the other side. You're going to see those streets of gold. What does Romans 8, 37, 39 tell us? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. We've got to hang on, abide in Him, hang on to the Lord. Now, Jacob here, if he's feeling so much fear, he's not hanging on to God. His brothers, I mean, Joseph's brothers, Jacob's sons, they were filled with fear and guilt for 20 years. What have they been doing? That's why they were sitting around staring at each other, waiting to die. They figured, oh, punishment's going to come soon enough. Let's just sit here and die. You know, God's going to punish us anyway. Uh, you know, what we did to our brother. No. That's not the life God has for us. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's amazing. Verse 37. Back to Genesis. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. <laughs> now, now he's just talking foolish talk here. Crazy talk. And, and, and just before that, Jacob is talking you know, crazy talk. Now both of them are talking crazy talk. What do you mean kill his two sons? When you, when you start living in fear, you start saying foolish things. Reuben makes a real rash statement right here. He's trying to comfort his father, trying to get, you know, it's like, I swear I'll bring him back. Just because you say you swear. You you can kill my two sons if I don't bring them back. 
And um, I heard um, on this chapter, um, Chuck Smith was talking about this verse. And regarding this verse, he says, he goes, what comfort will that be to a grandfather to kill his two grandkids? Come on. You know, that's crazy talk. Yeah, a grandfather's going to kill his two grandkids. Yeah. Come on. They're, they're, they're both talking crazy now. Verse 38. Verse 38, he says, But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother's dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. I'll be dead. If, if, if you take Benjamin and he dies, when I find that out, I'm dead. I'm going to drop right there. It's just, I, I won't be able to take it. And you see Reuben in the 37, uh, he kind of has a little bit of a confession right there. He says, they're talking about bringing, taking Benjamin and bringing him back, one son. But he says, okay, well, if I don't, you can kill my two sons. Why two? He knows what he did. The other one too, Joseph. He's kind of, he, he needs to confess. He needs to release all that guilt. It's, it's, it's terrible. He's been boiling in it for 20 years. Anyway, Joseph, uh, Jacob says, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. You can't take him. And that's it. It's over. But what about Simeon? <laughs> Isn't he back in Egypt? <laughs> They're going to leave him there? <laughs> Wait, Jacob said, no, you can't. You're not going to go back. And, and the governor said, I'm not gonna, you, you, don't come back unless you get your, your younger brother. Oh, well, okay, well, you can't come back. You can't take him, so now you can't go back. Okay, well, wait a minute, Simeon's over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just going to leave him there? The brothers didn't seem to miss him all too much. <laughs> the guy was a bully. He was a violent guy, very aggressive. Yeah, they can't go back without Benjamin, and Dad's not going to let them go. Oh, well. <laughs> you don't see a plan like a plan to break them out, right? Or a rescue attempt. or It's just, oh well, later dude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Amen. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and I think a lot of times we forget that like they forgot that. God wants to forgive you. He wants to just wipe it clean. Cleanse it. But we think, oh, what I did was just too bad. It was just, it was too evil. It was... It was so wrong. God cannot forgive what I did. Um, you can forgive what you did. And if you were God, you wouldn't forgive yourself for what you did. 
but you're not God. And God will forgive you. He is faithful and he is just. Like, a, like the perfect judge, he is faithful. And he, he wants to wipe the slate clean. And we have to confess, brothers, to the Lord tonight. Can't wait another, another day, another minute. Now, I'm not saying you've got to confess anything to me. You know, it's between you and the Lord. It's none of my business what you did, but you and God, He knows what you did, and you know what you've done. So go before the Lord. Confess your sin. Start it. Start it right now. Cleanse from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 21.8 tells us, The way of a guilty man is perverse, but as for the pure, his work is right. That word perverse could also mean crooked. You're guilty. You're crooked. You're, you're, always, you're always doing something crooked. But if you're pure, the work that you do is right. Everything you're going to do is right. You see Joseph prospering, being faithful to the Lord, even though that woman in Potiphar's house wanted him and was going to have her way, and he went running. Even without his robe, he went running. He was going to remain faithful to the Lord. His work is right. I'll leave you with this. The Believer's Bible Commentary writes that guilt causes a man to lie, to hide, to masquerade, right? Put on a mask, to fear, and to act to fear and act deceitfully. The man who confessed and forsaked his sin has nothing to hide. There's nothing to hide. He can walk in the light. You remember when you got saved, you it was your you were clean, you were clear from all that. Something was lifted, sin was taken from you, and you were cleansed from all unrighteousness. And when you have nothing to hide, you don't have to live lying and hiding, maybe putting yourself on a little isolated island. You could walk freely. I remember there were things I needed uh, to confess. And man, once it was out and I hurt someone. And I needed to tell that person and ask for that person's forgiveness. And I did. And I knew that, well, the person's either going to forgive me or they're, they're never going to talk to me again. Ever. And um, forgave me. I got forgiveness. And that was so free. Because of living with this thing over my head of guilt. But the person forgave me. Forgave me. And I didn't have to live that way. And I was free and clear. And so we see this beginning, this revelation, this, this revealing of God's plan to change these guys, to turn these brothers, these children of Israel, to the tribes of Israel, to have their names 
written on the walls of the holy city, New Jerusalem in heaven for all eternity. <clears throat> These guys. Amazing. It's amazing to me. We can't forgive ourselves. That's right, Don. It's hard. You know you what you've done, and, and that's the hardest thing. They remember it too, just like it's like what you're saying, and, and they couldn't forgive themselves living that way for 20 years. So let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to confess to you and give their life to you. Father, that they may courageously do so tonight. Pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move, Lord, and touch the hearts of all of us. Lord, that we would not live in fear or hiding or lying, but come clean and be free. Lord, I pray, Father, that Lord, as we, as brothers, just come together and fellowship with one another, that, that we can lift each other up. Lord, that we could teach one another through your word the things that you're teaching us. Lord, all these things that you show us, even in the Old Testament and about the lives of these men. And Lord, how you minister to us and how we could just bring it into our own lives. Lord, and that you could show us who you are. Lord, that you could show us how real you are. And Father, as we, as we give our lives to you, Lord, that we would grow closer and closer to you. Father, that, uh, our, Lord, that we would see that, that love that you have for us, that you just want to get us in, in the door, Lord. You just want to see us there. And Lord, I pray, Father, that, uh, Lord, that the fear that would be in anyone here tonight, Lord, Lord, that that would be gone, Lord, because we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, Lord. And we want to love you, Lord, with our lives and everything that we do. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd bless our evening. And, Lord, bless our fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for this chapter. We thank you for this, uh, this real-life story here. Lord, and what, what an example that is and ministers to us, Lord. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.